Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm the son of a divorced mother. She is really my superhero. That's why it's important for me to support women to share their uniqueness, their personalities, perspectives, and emotions about this world. In these difficult times in human history, we need to bring the people of the world together. And when we hear the voices of women, when we listen to real lives of women from other countries, we connect our cultures without differences or stereotypes, and we get inspired by their stories to live a better life. That's what this podcast is all about. My guest today is Josephine Kiaga. Josephine is a Tanzanian-American freelance film producer and the co-owner of Kiagraphy Media LTD. Living in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, she acquired a unique sense of storytelling and was able to explore non-Western filmmaking at an early age. After she was awarded with the BTEC Student of the Year for her thought-provoking creative media in 2019 ceremony, and attended that ceremony in London, it pushed her to go to university in the UK. She completed her BFA in film production with a first class and now has moved on to continue freelancing. She specializes in short films, music videos, documentaries, and producing photo shoots for her company. Most recently, she was a producer for a film commissioned by the U.S. Embassy Tanzania, exploring the taboo of HIV-AIDS treatment throughout the an effective drama short film with some of Tanzania's best. It was educational daring and women-led these are the projects that she enjoys being part of the most josephine is currently a mentee in the black book program uk learning from her uk line producer mentor and she is internally developing a lot of projects notably a documentary a play and several poetic short films which will be doing their festival film film circuits this year as well. As a filmmaker, she intends to continue her work as an artist while upholding artistic integrity that aligns with her feminist, pan-African sexual and gender equality-based mindset throughout all her work, and she is looking forward to what the future holds. Josephine, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored. I am very, very lucky and excited to speak with you and to have this conversation. So I'll begin with this nice first question. You, as Josephine, who has lived in different places, if your friends could describe your personality, what would they say about you? <laughs> okay, that's a really interesting question. I, I can say what I hope they would say. And I hope that they would say that I'm a giving and generous friend. I'm very talkative, but I do carve out time to listen. 
I'm empathetic and I really like getting into emotions. Like I have few friends because I feel like I care so deeply for people. Like I will go above and beyond for my friends. If I have, you know, two loaves of bread and that's the last thing I have to eat, then I will give my friend one. You know, I like to be that type of person because I feel like friendship is just so serious. So I would hope they would describe me that way. And hopefully they think I'm funny because I do joke around a lot. And if they don't think I'm funny, <laughs> then I must be one of the most annoying people that they've ever met. That's funny, actually. Thank you for sharing your sense of humor. And it makes me think, since you're in love with emotions and speaking about them, delving deeper into them, is that something that both uh, shaped the way that you approach filmmaking and is something that you try to convey in everything you do? Can you share how is your personality expressed through your artistic work? Oh, wow. Okay. I think that's a great question. I definitely think that um, it's something that I try to integrate into my day-to-day -day life in general, just because growing up in a Tanzanian society, I would say that e sharing emotions isn't necessarily taboo, but it's not necessarily something that is pushed forth. Like we have more of a like, oh, well, you know, life is hard, but just keep it moving type of attitude. So there wasn't many times that I often like just stopped and reflected and having experienced the pandemic, it actually slowed me down so much in my life where I was just like alone and I was in university and like everyone, like I had, um, I was in a six bedroom apartment and all five of my roommates left and I was alone. So I was in this huge place by myself and I felt like it was the first time in my life I was really forced to stop and reflect. And it's been something that, because it was kind of at the beginning of when I started film school, it definitely was integrated later into my filmmaking. And I feel like my favorite scenes are those scenes where the emotions are gritty and real. And when it's an expression of emotions, it's not always beautiful. Sometimes there's tears and sometimes there are harsh truths. But... I think ultimately that is like some of the beauty of life. And when you watch something where you get to experience that, you as a person, regardless of if you're the same gender as me, if you grew up where I grew up, you'll understand that. Just emotions, you know? And so it's definitely something I try to integrate into my filmmaking always. Thank you. It seems to me that communication, even beyond videography, etc., is very important to you, even with your friends. And it's about being understood through emotions. Is this correct? Yes, absolutely. And so are you someone who like you want to experience the full range of emotions in life? You want the pain and the suffering and the joy and the glory? Or do you prefer to keep it within a range of positivity and therefore limited but keep it good? Or do you go for everything and you're like, if I don't cry sometimes, then I'm unhappy? <laughs> Well, I think almost all of the above, I would say, like, I, I don't think that life can come with only positivity. And I think that if I force myself to pretend that every single day I was super happy and I'm super content with everything that I'm in, I wouldn't be able to motivate myself to, like, work sometimes. Because sometimes my, my motivation is like, okay, I'm not happy with the current situation that I'm in. I don't necessarily think that I'm exactly where I want to be in life. And so as a result, I'm going to make sure I push myself to continue to work hard. It's like, if you don't, if you're not happy with the situation, then keep going. So I feel like if I was super happy all the time, then I just chill. Like I wouldn't really <laughs> need to do anything or progress in life or like meet new people. You know, I think sometimes the negativity not only can it be used for art, which I think a lot of artists do, which is just like sort of taking that and pushing it towards your art and being able to mold it and be like, you know what, I went through a really tough experience and as a result, it has inspired me to create. 
So I feel like there's also that factor of it where it's like it can inspire you to create it can inspire some of like my favorite music is super sad and melancholic and reminiscent and you know something like what you're doing right now you know I'm sure the divorce is not necessarily something that you would want to wish for but look it has sprung up this beautiful podcast where you get to meet all these beautiful people so it's like without the pain could we have you know the pleasure and the joy I agree 100% and I will take it even further that people who have not experienced loss and pain they become too naive to be wise and interesting and so the most interesting people are those who have had some difficulties in the past and so to ask you maybe uh, I don't know whether you considered this before or not do you tend to be fascinated by people's problems dramas uh, losses issues failures even more than their successes that maybe when you explore a character or speak with a friend do you tend to go that route or is this just a part of the whole picture and not one of the main focuses well i definitely think that i've always been like a, an observer ever since i was young i would like okay so i sort of i grew up like all over the place a little bit because like my mother worked in the United Nations and as a result we sort of got moved around a bit because my father worked in the United Nations it's it's kind of a bit of a story anyways the point is i kind of grew up in Tanzania for a little bit i was born in the states and then i grew up in Tanzania for a little bit then i lived in Addis Ababa and then i came back to Tanzania and in that i sort of didn't really learn my like my country's language of Kiswahili until i was like far older like i could have grown up like speaking it but because i grew up in Ethiopia for when i was about 4 to 8 i actually spoke amharic which is their national language so when i came to my actual home country i was super confused cuz i didn't speak the same language as everyone and so as i was learning i would just sort of sit back and listen and my favorite thing to do was like when i would get my hair done cuz i'd be at the salon for like 8 to 13 hours like you're just there all day and so i would just listen to these stories and the drama of like the guy who lives down the street who's like we found out that he's sleeping with you know and i'm just like oh no like really like the lady who works there like there's no way and i didn't know how to speak it but i did know how to listen and so I, that's why i feel like when i speak about a unique sense of storytelling i sort of learned to speak in this hyperbolic way and like lots of pauses and gasps and sound effects and just understanding how to communicate in that way i feel like genuinely shaped and molded the way that i understood my favorite type of storytelling and so i feel like the dramas and the highs and the lows are things that i certainly search for even when i'm watching things like I do like them but I don't like them without a cause. I don't feel like you should just throw characters into like bad or negative situations for no reason. Um I definitely feel like there's success needs to be mixed into that in order for you to create a realistic character because you can't just lose all the time. There's little wins that sort of need to be integrated in order for the audience to feel like they're going on a roller coaster of sorts and like going through all of these different emotions and I definitely feel like even in playing around with the tone of your film like playing around with the music playing around with the way that you're color grading playing around with everything like you need to be able to have those dynamics in order to really create like a fleshed out visual masterpiece thank you and that makes me think there are many or some storytellers at least who believe that in reality there are no stories but the brain needs to put the structure of story in order to make sense of reality and that's why stories the purpose of them when people are in audience watching your movie or whatever 
it's to experience a moment of clarity where everything is simple, makes sense, where everything is as expected and there is a happy ending at the end. Or, uh, of course, you'll say sometimes there's like an anti-hero and a, a sad mm -hmm. ending, but on average. And therefore, it gives them a moment where they feel everything makes sense so that they're recharged to return to life with more confidence because they feel, oh, wow, I experienced that sense of clarity. So life is not chaotic after all and return with more peace and less anxiety. Do you agree with this or what's your perspective on like the purpose, the enchantment, the joy of uh, receiving a story or its importance? I think, you know, I agree with it, like, to an extent. I actually had this discussion with some of the other day because I was sort of pitching a film and they asked me, like, what's the purpose of it? And I think it's really interesting because sometimes, I, I don't believe in purposeless filmmaking. I don't really truly believe that anybody makes something with no intention at all and, like, doesn't want it to have it. Like, as long as you want it to have a certain outcome, so long as you want somebody to, like, take a certain thing away, then you do have a perspective and you are trying to say something. And um, I think that it doesn't always have to be, I mean, like, you know, you said you're, you have the exceptions where it's, like, like sad sometimes and it ends with, like, an anti-hero or something, but I think that sometimes people search for a more black and white like moral type of story where like you watch something and like it's about somebody who doesn't give to somebody and then suffers in the end and then at the end you take away that wow i should be more charitable um but sometimes i'm watching somebody sort of talk about how they're depressed and have a mental illness for about 15 minutes and it's a short film called anxiety and they didn't necessarily get uplifted at the end. But what I did take away from it was that for a second, I got to relate to someone. And for a second, I got to feel like what I'm undergoing right now is not all that, like I'm not the only person undergoing it. So I feel like, I don't know, it's like the reasoning for film for me is such a grand conversation that you could have for hours. Cause it's like, what, what you take away from it is the reasoning for it. And I think with every like single piece of art, you can say the same thing even for fine art, like paintings, etc. Like they, the painter might have a certain intention, yet you might see it and take away something else. So how can you say that there is like only one intention? You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, it's really interesting to me. I don't know. I almost feel like I have a, like I agree to an extent, but at the very same time, I feel like, some types of film are not necessarily to deliver any type of like moral messaging or compass, but sometimes they're to express an emotion, which in and of itself is some type of message. I understand and I love this topic. This is going to be very, very fascinating. And just to speak even further to you, do you feel, since you spoke about it as art, that you should not try to control the message of the movie, the film, and let each person have their own interpretation so that it's richer? Or what do you think about some people who set on to structure everything so that they control what people take out of a story or a movie so that it, it just works as a almost a propaganda piece or a convincing machine <laughs> for their worldview? What's your perspective? Well, I think exactly what you said about the latter, like sort of using it as a propaganda piece. I would say that if you're going to create something and trying to force things on somebody's throat, you probably have that intention, like to create some kind of perspective of a group of people. But exactly what you said in the beginning is definitely what I agree with and resonate with more. Like, I just think that every, I think a, a filmmaker or any type of creator for art, a painter, a, you know, pottery, hmm, pottery sculptor, 
Potter? <laughs> what? I just realized I don't know the word for that. Um, but yeah, any any person who takes art in any way, I think that you know, in some ways, you should have your messaging and you should have your intention because it's your reason to create. In filmmaking, a lot of the time they use the term premise. Like, what is the premise of this? The movie itself might be about a girl who meets a boy, who they run away together and then something happens with the girl. But the actual premise of the film is like, trust no one. And it is the thing that runs through the entire film and it's the thing that holds it together. And I think that it's really important for you to have that through line so that you can create something, especially with the film like you need something to like guide you because it's an extremely long process sometimes and if you don't have anything to guide you like I've seen films oftentimes just disappear from like you'll hear oh marketing for this film coming out in 2023 and then you just never see it and it's like what happened in between there had to have been some kind of you know division or some like getting off of the rails and the track system that they had put forward so I think that's important but I think that the creative process a lot of the times is about letting go and I've learned a lot of that from filmmaking it's you know I've gone in writing a script with a specific intention and then as it goes on it keeps growing and I get comments and feedback and it changes and if you're not able to to let go even for that audience member to take something away then I, I feel like you're taking away from your own art because so many people can enjoy your art for so many different types of reasons. And if you police that and you try to like put them in a cage, you're pushing away certain people that could really take in what you want. Because expressing yourself through your art is really hard. You're really being vulnerable. You're taking a piece of yourself and you're showing it to the world and you're being like, hey guys, I hope you like it. <laughs> and that can be very, very difficult because as much as like I as an audience member can also rag on TV shows that I don't like and see like people on social media, just hundreds and thousands of likes. like this show sucks. I hate this. You know, that is somebody trying to share their work with the world as well. So I think that, you know, it's really difficult to put yourself out there and you shouldn't do it as an artist with the expectation of people to receive it a certain way, or you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Like you just know what your reason is, you release it and then just let the world see it the way they want to. Very, very true. Thank you so much, Josephine. And now let's discuss a little bit as basically a, a third culture kid, someone like you said, you grew up in Ethiopia, yet originally you're from Tanzania and you're a mix with the US. How is that? Do you see it as a superpower because it allows you to open yourself to listen and understand many multiple cultures and so you're adaptable? Or do you see it as something that causes a sense of like, loss of navigation or of guidance or of a compass and therefore in many ways it pushed you or was the catalyst of your hero's journey in order to discover yourself and make sense of that incomplete cultural integration into a self-integration i know i said a lot but you're familiar <laughs> with the hero's journey so i know you'll yes. understand yeah, I think, I honestly think it's a bit of both. Honestly, I feel like it has been a superpower. Like I, I went to an international school when I was here. And what that means is essentially that the program that was taught at the school is not of this country. So although I was in Tanzania, I was actually learning the British curriculum. And so the people at the school were sometimes like British kids who had moved all the way from like England to Tanzania. And then like sometimes I'd be like, kids from all over the world. And I was so used to that. I was so accustomed to that, that it wasn't strange to me. Like it was like, oh yeah, obviously my friend is Sikh. Like what? Like, why would that even be a thing? You know what I mean? I'm like, obviously it's Ramadan. So we're going to say Ramadan. Like, I don't understand any other way. And then I, I went to the UK and I spent three years there. And I remember like my first Ramadan 
And like, I'm not Muslim myself, but like I have Muslim friends. And so usually like during the time, like I'm, I'm over here waiting for my invite, you know, <laughs> like I'm like, who's going to invite me to, to Iftar? Like who's going to invite me to get the food? And in the UK, at least from, I'm not speaking on all of England, obviously, but my personal experience, I didn't really have, like, I didn't feel like it was celebrated everywhere. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, it's Ramadan, obviously. Like in Tanzania, if you drive around um, during Eid, during Ramadan, you'll see signs everywhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you'll be like, Eid Mubarak, Eid Mubarak, Eid Mubarak. Because here, you know, although there's a Christian, like, sort of part of the country, there's also a huge Islamic part of the country. And it's just been something, like, even during Diwali, like, the streets in in specific areas will be covered in, in things. And nobody nobody even minds. Nobody thinks twice. It's like, obviously, you guys are going to celebrate your, your holiday. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, people are going to celebrate the Chinese Lunar Year. There's no issue. But then when I went to the UK, I, I, I saw for the first time sort of, like, a society, like, that, like, didn't, I don't know, they didn't really cater to everyone. They didn't really put up signs everywhere it was like oh this specific place is acknowledging aid but then everywhere else isn't and it was really interesting to me because it's just not something that i grew up with and i found a lot of people being like marveled at i don't know the like the different cultures and all this stuff that i didn't i didn't really necessarily feel so i didn't even realize it was a superpower until i was among people who didn't experience that who like have never really left their country some people i met and like some people had only you know taken trains to other cities like it's like oh my gosh you came from another continent oh my goodness and i'm like yeah girl <laughs> like obviously like you know i came to study like you don't do that like you don't just fly to other continents in order to like get a degree like oh that's so interesting i guess we really come from two different worlds so i definitely feel like it's a superpower but in what you said about you know not really i don't know like almost not having a foundation in some weird ways like i was born in the states but like i've never been in america for like more than a year or two and that's so strange to me (laughs) because like I'm American, you know what I mean? So, like, I should spend time in America, but, like, I don't really know how to be American. Like, I've never been American before, but I am American. Um, But I'm in Tanzania all the time, but I'll never be Tanzanian. Like, no matter what I do, I'm never going to just become a Tanzanian person. So it's super interesting to me because, like, I'm from these different worlds, and I feel like it's helped me understand people more and empathize with different people of different cultures. And it's also allowed me to move around the world more, being secure in, like, my I don't know my uh, all sorts of the world (laughs) mixedness like I'm just like you know at the end of the day I am me and I feel like that is the only thing I know so let me just keep going with that and I'm going to be as Tanzanian as I can and as American as I can and as whatever as I can you know as it accommodates me in my life but I'm also very glad that I went to the UK and I didn't everyone thought I was going to get a British accent but (laughs) my accent didn't change even slightly thank you that's I love this story. It makes you a very colorful character and a very rich kind of person that is able to do a lot. And look, right now you're spending your time in many ways between the UK and I assume between Tanzania. Why? What do I mean with that? I mean is like, what value do you find in that compared to going on and becoming a nomad, vagabonding all over the continent and for this, uh, you know, searching for new stories? Why specifically are you returning there rather than, like you said, you don't know how to be American, why not go to the U.S. and develop that side of you? Why not stay in the U.K. and save yourself a lot of headaches or go backpacking in Bali and (laughs) film yourself, your journey of like eat, pray, love? Or uh, what was the decision based on? 
Well, yeah, I think that's a really interesting question um, in which my parents definitely posed to me the second I told them that I felt strongly about moving back. Um, first of all, what my experience in the UK, unfortunately, was just not that pleasant. I didn't really enjoy staying in the in England, in Manchester specifically, where I had lived, just because of like some things that I'd gone through at the time. And I didn't really feel that this was a place that I wanted to live. And I really felt like I wanted a change. And... Oddly enough, I felt like I could do more in my career in Tanzania than I could when I was in Manchester because I started seeing how it was going. It was like I was only going to get hired for minimum wage jobs because I had just come out of uni and, you know, you're only going to get paid £10.95. Now, there's a lot of like layers to this. Like first and foremost, I'm a foreign student. I currently live abroad and my parents like want to support me throughout university. But the second the university is done, it's different. Now I'm no longer a student and now I have to pay different types of taxes to the UK. Uh, now I get different types of prices for apartments. And so living life, there would be extremely expensive on minimum wage. Most people live at home and they live with their families and live with their moms, their uncles, their dads, or they share apartments with their friends. But like I wasn't, I didn't have that setup. So living in the UK was actually not as easy as like one might think like oh you did you you need you need there just stay there it's like well money you know like, like that's the truth of life it's money things are expensive and living there as a foreigner was extremely expensive and you have to go through a lot like you have to get a lot of people to checks and balances people treat you differently people might not want you in their apartment like it's it's a lot and then on top of that with the states on a personal level i i don't know i think a part of me is just like afraid. Um, maybe uh, the propaganda beast of the news has truly gotten to me. Like almost every single day, America becomes a scarier place for people to live in general. And I don't know why moving there when many people want to move out just feels reductive. Like if I got if I got like a job or if I got work, like if there was a prospect for me, then I would. But with Tanzania, it's like, well, at least I have a place to live and somebody's going to feed me while I work. And I think that's just sort of what happened. It's like the reality of life. Like I can dream and like live, laugh, love and go to Bali, but like who's paying? <laughs> who's paying for that trip to Bali? You know what I mean? Um, who's paying for that visa? Who's paying for that flight ticket? Um, and my parents really discouraged me from taking loans as well because I'm American. So I would have to go through like the FAFSA, US government system. And I have a lot of family members who like went to Yale and Harvard and um, as amazing as it was, like they're still paying it off till today, 20, 30 years later. They have kids, their kids are in uni and they're still paying off their student loans because that is how big that sort of US loan system can get. So I think like, Honestly, it's like, as I don't know, it's like as much as I'd love to sugarcoat and be like, oh my gosh, it's going to stay to be free. Like, I do want to do that. In fact, I have to do that because um, as a like American passport holder, I can no longer live here <laughs> for a while. So I will eventually have to move to America. And I feel like I'm gearing myself up now in this period of time in my life where I feel like I'm much older, I'm much wiser, I understand taxes, I understand what not and not to do in terms of loans, I understand credit cards, I understand like all of those things and I feel a little bit more prepared to go to America whereas I feel like when I was younger, I don't know, there was something that really intimidated me about that particular place. Like I had only gone to America on vacation so I feel like I never really got to like see it for what it was and then everything that I read was like terrifying. <laughs> so I was like, oh gosh. I don't know. I didn't want to get, you know, uh, yeah. So 
I can really, really imagine. And Josephine, just to finish this off, since we spoke about your past, your present, well, the future, what plans, at least, you know, even if they're tentative plans, do you have for the future? Where do you see yourself going or at least which direction in order to learn more about yourself so that you know where to go next? Where people can follow your journey? Where can they find out more as well? Well, they can certainly start by following me on Instagram at Miss Kiaga because more than likely I'll be updating everything there and I usually link my website and stuff through my Instagram so it's a super easy way to find me. But in terms of what is in the future for me, I think it's a lot of in-house company work. I'm a big advocate for sort of in quote taking yourself seriously and I think that a lot of the times people are scared because they're like, oh, I'm just a small company, like what can I do but I have a lot of big plans so I plan to release a lot of things and I hope that through social media and other like competitions and residencies that I'll be entering mentorship programs etc I'll be able to find better ways to continue to navigate my future but certainly keep up with me on social media I have got a lot of projects coming and a lot of poetry films that uh, we tend to produce constantly and so yeah Thank you, Josephine. It was my privilege and my honor to have you in this podcast to share your voice and your perspective and your interesting both background as well as the way you approach storytelling, filmmaking. I wish you all the success and thank you again. Thank you so much for having me, Aziz. It is, it's a privilege and I can't wait to continue to keep up with the pod. Mm-hmm.